starting in verse 10. Acts 9, verse 10. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand, and Tim will get one for you. Acts chapter 9 and verse 10. We're starting in the middle of a story, a pretty famous story, uh, but I would uh, like to do a little recap, if I, if I may. Um, now, in the opening nine verses of, of Acts 9, Luke records from us this, this familiar story of Saul's encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, and how he was traveling with letters in hand, letters that were granting him the authority to place those who he was to find uh, of the way, that is, believers in Jesus Christ, uh, whether man or woman, that he may take them bound back to Jerusalem to stand uh, trial and, and certain imprisonment. Now, it's an important story. It's, in, it's very important to Saul. It's, it's his testimony, his encounter with the Lord Jesus. Uh, and if it's important to Saul, then it's important to, to us. In fact, Saul would mention parts of this story or, or the story in its entirety eight times in the New Testament, six times in the epistles. So he constantly goes back to uh, his encounter with Jesus. And just like a lot of us, uh, our, our testimony our encounter with Jesus is, is, is very important. And if, again, if it's important for Saul, uh, and if it was mentioned eight times, you could rest assured that it's important to us to, uh, to read from, to learn, and to grow. But with all that being said, I decided to skip that part of the story. Uh, in order to take a closer look at the latter part of the story and, a, and about a, a brother by the name of Ananias and the, and the small role that uh, God had called, has called him to play in, uh, in the life of his chosen vessel, uh, Saul of, of, of Tarsus. When, you, when uh, I looked up uh, Ananias in, in a Bible dictionary to get a little bit more familiar with him, or in a who's who of the Bible, and you see a paragraph about this big. Now everyone knows when you, when you look up uh, Saul, uh, they'll refer you to Paul, and forgive me if I go back and forth to my Saul and Paul, it's sure to happen. Um, well, when you look up Saul, it would refer you to Paul, and then you see a short story, and, and obviously so. He, he was a mighty disciple of God and wrote a lot of the New uh, Testament and probably one of the, if not one of, probably the greatest uh, evangelists this, this world has uh, ever known. But when you, when you read the caption on Ananias, nine-tenths of that paragraph is about his encounter with uh, and about the role that God had called him to play in the life of, of Saul. And one sentence on the bottom says, he, it is highly likely that, uh, or it is believed that Ananias was one of the original 70 disciples in Jerusalem, and he was more than likely martyred for his 
faith. Um, we don't know that to, to be actually fact because it doesn't say that in this book. Um, but we know that uh, well, we're sure that he was used by God. So that was, that was the, what had drawn me in my studies. Uh, Ananias, why is he being used and, and what this was all about? Um, so let's pick up the, the narrative in verse 10. Uh, but before we open God's word, let's uh, pray again to God of the word. Father, I pray this morning that you would just open the hearts and the ears and the minds of, uh, of all of us that we could uh, see what you have in store for us. Show us our need. Uh, show us Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen. So, verse 10 of Acts 9, it says, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. That's a good sign. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Now, I read in one of the commentaries, and I'd just like to repeat it because it, I really thought it was really spot on. I believe uh, John Corson said that it appears that God appears to be redeeming names even as he continues his redemptive work in people. And if you look through this one paragraph, you see the Lord Jesus mentions three names. Judas, of course, his betrayer. Uh, Saul, the first king of Israel, not exactly uh, a, a good one at that. And Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, in Acts 5, we know, uh, sold a piece of land and, and held back some of the money and lied to the Holy Spirit and, and, and lost their lives. But I, I just thought that was uh, spot on, and I... And I wanted to uh, repeat that. But the first thing that I realized here, or that caught my eye, is it says that Paul is praying. Okay? He has, a, he has had an encounter with the Lord Jesus. In verse 6 of chapter 9, uh, when he's talking to the Lord, uh, Paul says, Lord, what shall I do? Good question. And now it's three days later, and he's fasting and he's praying. I think as a, uh, as a Pharisee, as a re so-called religious man, I don't think this is the first time that uh, Saul of Tarsus has been praying. But when Jesus says, you're praying, I think you're praying. Okay? Is there a change here? I don't know, but I, I, I suspect uh, so. And I think that's a good sign that that Paul's encounter has changed him, that his conversion from legalism to the way is, is, is for real. Um, so let's, chapter 13, 13 to 16. Then, Anani then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. 
And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So, okay, here we are. I believe we're getting to uh, the heart of the matter now. Ananias has heard all about this Saul. I'm sure of it. All the believers in, in Damascus have heard about or know firsthand about the persecution that Saul has been dishing out on uh, followers of, of, of the Lord Jesus. I'm sure they all know or firsthand or have heard about the the time that Paul played the, the role of the, of the coat check in Stephen, the church's first martyr's death, when Saul said, hey, brothers, lay your coats here. I'll keep, a, I'll keep an eye on them for you. You see, I think that Paul was a little bit too refined and a little bit too high society to actually pick up a, a stone and but uh, God's word told us that he gave his approval and he watched the men's coats. So I'm sure uh, this is all well known by the believers in, in, in Damascus. And that makes uh, Ananias a target of, of, of Saul. So he appears to be fearful. And he begins questioning God. Is he questioning God? Or is he working out his, his, his own salvation? He's concerned for his well-being, but he, he, he's working it out. He, there's a back and forth with the Lord there. He's laying out his fears before the Lord, and I see this as, as a good thing. So at least that was what struck me in reading this text. So I decided to look through the Bible and see if there was any other times where uh, the word of the Lord came to people and, and, and how that they handled that. So um, I went to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 1.4, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, is, is speaking, and he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. And then you hear some of the most encouraging words that any Body would ever want to hear spoken to him. This is what the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And, and what did uh, Jeremiah say in response to that? Well, I'll tell you what he said. He said, Ah, uh, it says that in the Bible. Ah, uh, Lord God, I, I cannot speak, for I am but a youth. You see, he, he was a youth. But he was also smart enough to know the history of Israel and their prophets. So he was, he was a little, he, he, he was scared. But he, he's, he's working it out. He's, he's, there's, a, there's a dialogue there. Moses, the word of the Lord came to, to Moses in a burning bush, okay? 
In an unconsumable burning bush, the word of the Lord comes to Moses. And what does Moses say? He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses knew Pharaoh personally. He lived in Egypt. But there was a fear there. The Lord had called him into ministry, into doing something. Doesn't say he wants to do it. In fact, I believe that he wants to do it, but he's working out he's working out his own salvation. He's working on his fear. Gideon. Pastor Rick talked about Gideon a couple of weeks ago. When you read through the story of Gideon, it, 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 it's almost it gets almost comical. The, the the assurances, the reassurances, and the miracles that Gideon needs. You know, I, I want dew on the fleece, but not on the ground. And and uh, the word of the Lord came. An angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, "The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor." And Gideon said said to him, "Oh my Lord." If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about? Fear. The Lord comes back to him and says, You, Gideon, will save Israel from the Midianites. (laughs) Me? Me? My father's house is the smallest of all the tribes, and I am but the weakest. Fear. Okay? Okay? Working it out, but I, 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 I see this as a, as, a, as a good thing. I don't see this as questioning, questioning the Lord. Um, so then I said to myself, self, uh, is there any other places in the Bible where, uh, you know, where reaction like this didn't happen? And right away it took me to, uh, to Jonah, Okay. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and told him, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose, said nothing, and he fled to Tarsus. So Israel, Nineveh, 550 miles to the northeast of Israel, and and Tarsus, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Completely in the opposite direction. And we all know how that worked out for, for, for Jonah. He spent some, a couple of rough days at sea, spent a couple of days in the belly of a fish. And where did he wind up? Preaching what met message? A message of repentance to the, the, to the Ninevites. Right? <clears throat> but you see... Jonah knew the Ninevites well, and there was a history there. Jonah also knew the reputation of the Ninevites as some of the cruelest, most sadistic people in the, in the world. And Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord out of fear. But when we read the story of Jonah, we come to learn that it, it wasn't uh, the fear of the cruelty of, of the Ninevites, but Jonah feared the mercy of God towards them. The Israelites despised the Ninevites, and, and Jonah put patriotism above evangelism. 
Now, before we get too hard on Jonah, I could tell you firsthand that when we are not focused and when we are not have our head down in the, in the book and our head down before Almighty God, that we can allow. I could personally tell you that I have allowed my fears, my past experiences get in the way of uh, doing the right thing. I think we all, if we're honest with ourselves, could, could, could realize that. We have our beliefs, we have our political beliefs, we have, we have our, our pre-converted beliefs. We, 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 we can't allow ourselves uh, to do that disservice to ourselves. So <clears throat> let's, verse 17, and I love this part here. Verse 17, it says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Does he just love that? Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose, and he was baptized. So when he had received food, was strengthened, then Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. Amen. I think that Ananias recognized the change in Saul the moment he walked into that room. I believe that when, back to verse 6, when, 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 when Saul said to the Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Now I have a question for you. Why couldn't the Lord Jesus just tell Saul, that you are my chosen vessel, and you're going to bring my word to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. What did he need Ananias for? Ananias was, I believe that, that Saul was Ananias' reward for his faithfulness. Even though he, 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 he had some fear, but he, 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 he addressed that fear, and he did what the Lord had asked him to do. See, Ananias is a believer, too, and even though Ananias only has a little paragraph like this in, 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 uh, in the Bible dictionary, he's a believer, and if he's a believer, God wants to use him. And for the rest of his life, whether he, whether he was one of the 70 original disciples in Jerusalem or not, or, or, or whether he actually was martyred for his faith, you could rest assured that the Holy Spirit wanted to use him in some way. We don't know how, but we could assure that 
there was opportunities to be used for God's glory. Why, every believer, in every one of us, God wants to use us in some way, in some fashion, to bring glory to him and to his name. Who do you think did the baptizing of Saul? Well, it doesn't tell us, but I'm guessing it was Ananias. So all this has got me to thinking, how does the Lord communicate with us today? How does the Lord communicate with you? How does the Lord communicate with me? I mean, maybe he's not going to come come to us in a, in a, in a burning bush, but uh, um, he's God. He could if he, if he wants to. But how has the Lord communicated with me in, in, in my life as a believer? And it, the answer is, is, is pretty clear. Through his word. That's the Holy Spirit's form of communication with the believer is through his word. And every time that it either, it's always the same. For me, it's always the same. It either starts with a, with a Bible study up here from the pastor, and he says a word, and, 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 and I say, uh, I don't do that, and I should, or I do that, and I shouldn't. And it starts in my gut. I don't know about you, but for me, it starts in, in, in the gut, and, and, I, and I get this feeling that the Lord wants me to do something. And when you pray on it and meditate on it, you take it to the Lord, you ask him to reveal it to you, he will in some way, in some fashion. And sometimes he, he, he uses a, a brother or a sister to, to confirm that. When you, when you get a word of prophecy from, from, from a friend here in, in, in the church, and, and that's how it has always uh, appeared to, to work in my life. See, once we ask the Lord Jesus into our lives, to be Lord of our lives, when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we are saved and the Holy Spirit resides in us and he wants to communicate to us. But sometimes we're dormant, we're, we're, we're closed, the shop is closed and we're not listening. This is, this, is where we, this is where we listen. This is where the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. And, and again, every time that always ever happened to me, it's, it's, always been the same, it's always been the same way. I ever tell you about the time or how I got involved in youth ministry here at ACF? We... Uh, we moved from New Jersey, Emily, Kathy, and I, uh, up here, and, and we found this little church, and we plugged in, and we were being fed the word on Sundays and, and Wednesdays, and uh, I started to get this feeling in my gut that I needed to do something, 
that I needed to get involved. I've been being fed, and it's about participating. And, and, and I felt like something had to be done. I didn't know what I wanted to do or, or, or anything. I just shared it with Kathy, and I said, I feel like the Lord's moving me to get involved in something. Uh, two days later, Jason Corrigan, who, who was heading up the uh, youth ministry at that time, at the time there was only five or six boys in the youth ministry, Zach Wilkinson and... and uh, uh, Jason came up to me after Sunday service and he said to me I've been thinking that I need to have uh, I've been needing to find some, some help with the youth ministry and I got this feeling in my gut that I'm supposed to speak to you about it really okay I'm in and then and, and that's how it works. I felt like I needed to do something. And, and then he came to me and he said, he's feeling that uh, I, I need to do something with him. Now, the story of how uh, Kathy and I got involved in, in, in foster care, we, the Lord, had spoken to two people's lives in the same home. I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this, but a long long time ago okay uh, we felt like that we needed to do something we wanted to be in, in, in foster care we felt that that was right for us individually she felt it I felt it but we had a system and, and, and it went a little like this we'd think about it we'd talk about it we'd pray about it and we forget about it And some time would go by, and we'd think about it, and we'd talk about it, pray about it, talk about it some more, pray about it some more, forget about it. And that went on for years. Okay? But the whole time, that feeling that I was talking about, that, that, that knowing that we were supposed to be something, that voice, that, that little soft-spoken voice that we, we, you get in your head that you know is not God. See, I know, I mean, you know, I know it's not me, because number one, it's, 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 it's telling me to do something that I don't want to do. The voice inside of my head tells me that a ham sandwich at 10 o'clock at night is the way to go. Okay, that's, that's me. Even though I've had some health issues and my doctor told me I can no longer eat like that, for some reason that doesn't scare me as much as it should. <laughs> but the voice from God is always telling me to do something that scares me, that I don't particularly really want to do. So... We decided that we were going to do foster care. We talked it over with Emily, and, and, and uh, we decided that uh, the time was right, and, and we prayed on it, and we, we said, let's do the work. And we, we did the work. We find out where we can go about how do you get involved, and where do we have to go, and where do we get the classes, and, and we did all that. And then uh, there was a time that we were waiting for this training, and uh, we started thinking about it. And <laughs> let me tell you who's... You could see who was a, uh, the Holy Spirit was focusing in on it in the family. Kathy said to me, now, now, now check this out. Kathy said to me, 
Skip, she knew that I had a meeting with Pastor Rick as an elder of the church. Pastor and I, we meet occasionally, and we go over, we talk about things. And I had a meeting in, in a day or two to discuss with Pastor Rick. And Kathy said to me, Skip, you know what would be really good? If somehow we can get help from the church family. That if the church family was involved in case of an emergency or when we need a meal made, you know, that, we, that it was just planned. And why don't you talk to Pastor to Rick about that? <laughs> and I said, well, Kath, we have a lot of friends at, uh, at ACF, and I'm sure if we asked any one of them to do us a, a favor, they would. I mean, that's what we do. We are Christians, you know. Um, but as, as, as far as an organized uh, plan with help from the church, uh, I, I don't know. But uh, if you want, I will talk to Pastor Rick. So I came to the meeting. We sat right there in these two seats, Pastor Rick and I. And before we, get, we exchanged pleasantries, and Pastor Rick said to me, before we get started, I just want to let you know, I received a, an email from this organization called FaithBridge. And it's a, it's a Christ-centered, non-profit organization that believes that the foster care is broken and that the church is the answer to the problem. Wow. I said, Rick, I came here to tell you that I was thinking about getting involved in, in foster care. And Rick said, well, then we'll keep that email. <laughs> So, God speaks to us through his word. That is why we are so lucky and so blessed that we go to a, a, a church that goes through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, okay? Because it builds up the church and it sets us on our feet. It teaches us, it leads us, and it guides us. That's why we try to avoid candy-coated sermonettes that pick and choose scripture that are designed to make us all feel good about ourselves. But there's never any mention of, of, of sin and, and the need for repentance. And after a service like, like, like that, we all makes us all want to sit around in a big circle and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But there's no, there's no truth to it. It's, it's not building us up. Because in here, it's I am the resurrection and the life, and no one comes to me. No one comes to the Father but through me. But people don't want to hear things like that. It offends them. So they take their chances that, uh, that it's not true, that we're the crazy ones, that there's multiple ways into heaven. Do you know that there's, there's churches out there where they don't want their pastor talking uh, like this because uh, it turns people away? And I thank God that uh, we have a, a pastor that uh, speaks the truth of, of God's word. Amen. We go through the Bible 
chapter by chapter and verse by verse, like I said, because it's there's purpose behind it. The good as well as the bad, not just the rosy-colored stories that we that we all uh, want to hear. My old pastor in in uh, East Brunswick, New Jersey, he 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 said this many times, and I just want to repeat it. I had said this the last time that uh, I had the opportunity to sit up here. Um, but we talk all the time about a revival. You know, we need a revival. I need a revival. You need a revival in our hearts. We need a revival in this community. We need revival in this country. And, 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 uh, and we do. Okay? But there has never been, nor will there ever be, a revival anywhere that isn't directly interconnected with the apostolic preaching of God's word. That is what the original disciples taught. What is in this book? There will never be a revival in my heart, in this church, in this community that isn't directly connected to what it says in this book. And that is why we need to spend time in the Word. That is why if we want to grow, if we want the Holy Spirit to, to talk to us, we want God to use us, we, we, when we come uh, and we listen to a study and, and, and the pastor speaks into our lives, and I'm not talking about myself because I, I just can't wait for our pastor to, to get back, but when, when, when a word of truth is spoken, and then you go home and you investigate more and you read into it more. That's how we learn and we grow and that's how the Lord speaks to us. But when we go home and we put our Bibles on a shelf and we leave them there until next week. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not standing up here and saying, eh, this is what I do, I do this every day. I don't. I don't. And uh, like Bill said last week, I went home after Bill spoke and he, and he talked about the checking off the boxes. I went home and looked at my phone. I'm going through a read the Bible in a year thing, and I found far too many boxes on check that, I, that uh, I'm even embarrassed to admit. A lot more than I thought days missed. But it's not about that. It's really, it's not about that. It's not about how much you read. It's about plugging into it. It's about applying it in our lives. It's about interpreting and applying it into our lives. And that's how we learn and, and, and that's how uh, we grow. Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of, or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is real. He recorded it for us so we could grow a little bit more and more like our Lord and Savior each and, and every day. In closing, just let me say that uh, if, if you are feeling, if you, if you have this feeling inside of you that you need to get involved, that you want to, that you should make a meal and take it to this woman who lives down the street who you just whatever you want to get involved in ministry you want to you think the church should be involved in something that they're not involved in then i i i would suggest that uh 
it's, it's probably true that you need to, that the Lord is, is, is leading you. God gave us his word for us to learn and to grow, and we do that by applying the truths of God's word into our lives. That's the message that I, that I have for you today. I, 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 I think it sounds a little too preachy, but when, when I get an opportunity to speak, what I say is what the Lord, what I feel inside of me, what I need to hear. Okay, Please, brothers and sisters, believe me, I'm not up here telling you, you guys need to do this, because this is what I do. No, 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 no what I know I need to do and I know I need to do a better job at it because God wants to use us the Holy Spirit's inside of us he wants to he wants to use me and he and he and he wants to use you so let's pray Heavenly Father Lord we 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 thank you so much that you gave us all you gave us your word, Lord, that we could uh, grow in likeness and understanding of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray that uh, as we go forward in in this day and in this week, that we, uh, you give us the focus, Lord, uh, and the understanding that uh, you do desire, so you love us, Lord, and you desire uh, to speak into our lives, and, and, and in turn, from that, that we may speak into the lives of others, Lord. So we, we just Thank you, Lord, and and we praise you, and, and we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.